0: Panoramic lifestyle clothing. Hey, look alive! Everything lights up, makes you want to shout. Talk about happiness, that's what we're talking about. You'll look great in a panoramic lifestyle t shirt. Nobody won't bring you happiness, but we know we will. Come on now, smile, get happy. Order your t shirt today at plclothing.store. plclothing.store.
1: If you're tired of outrageously expensive cell phone bills, come on over to Mint Mobile. Talk, text, and data plans start at just $15 a month. There are no contracts. Sign up, and Mint will send you a SIM card. Just insert it into your phone. You can even keep your old number. Get details at krobcollection.com and start saving today with Mint Mobile.
0: to Sunday Digest, an award-winning public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. Get ready for a half hour of interesting conversation with veteran Cleveland broadcaster Ken Robinson. And now, here's Ken and Sunday Digest. And glad to have you along on Sunday Digest. Good morning to you. Today we're talking about women, past, and future. First, there's a drive to introduce more females to technology and the high-paying jobs of the future. We'll hear from Cleveland native Dr. Carol Kovac of IBM. Also, women of the past. Sharon Carmack of Ohio based Family Tree magazine joins us for Women's History Month. She tells us how to trace our female ancestors. But first on Sunday Digest, women and nursing. It's a high tech industry with a worker shortage. On the line from Washington is Dr. Geraldine Bednash, executive director of the American Association of Colleges of Nursing. She's editor of the new book, Ask a Nurse. First of all, Doctor, what is the book about?
2: Well, the book is a compilation of pieces done by nurses across the country, and I was the editor. We came to do the book because we really realized that there was a need for a book that would help the consumer be a wise consumer in health care and would help the consumer be able to take better care of him or herself or the family. It provides tons of good tips about how to be a self-care agent, how to make wise choices, the kinds of questions you should have, and the kinds of things you can do just to take care of yourself.
0: Now, nurses are on the front line of medical care. Uh, Usually, they know more about what's going on than doctors do, don't they?
2: Well, I think they have a very different set of skills and knowledge, and they are as knowledgeable as physicians. And what we know often is that uh, when you're looking to go see a doctor, people call nurses and say, who should I see? because they trust the advice and counsel that comes from the nurses who work with the doctors. And nurses are, if you're in the hospital, the person who's going to have the most active and on-time response to your care. They're the ones that are there 24 hours a day.
0: Career opportunities in nursing, is it still a good career for, for men and women?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The need for nurses is projected to grow exponentially over the next decade. One of the things that we know about the nursing population is that we're aging faster than the rest of the workforce and within about 10 years we will have about half of the population of nurses ready to retire or within a few years of retirement age and we are going to have a dramatic need for nurses. And the other thing about nursing is that people often have a limited view of what it means to be a nurse. They think about someone working at the bedside in a hospital And that's a very important role in nursing, but it's not the only option. You can become a nurse practitioner and be a primary care provider. You can become a nurse midwife. You can become a nurse administrator. You can manage health care systems. You can work in doctor's offices, in HMOs, in public health communities, in a whole range of settings. And these days, those settings want the best educated nurses. So we want the best and the brightest people to look at nursing as a career, men and women.
0: Well, how's the pay and working conditions for nurses these days?
2: Well, the pay is actually not bad. The pay can be very good depending on the kind of education you have and the kinds of skills you have. Uh, People who are advanced practice nurses make very good salaries. Those are people with master's degrees who are serving in nurse nurse anesthetist roles or nurse practitioner roles. Then also the working conditions can be quite rewarding in some of those settings. Unfortunately, our hospitals today are experiencing a dramatic shortage of nurses because working conditions there have become strained, and there are not enough nurses in those hospitals because often hospitals are not the best places that nurses want to work.
0: Where do they want to work these days?
2: They want to work in places that allow them to use their knowledge and their skill and to be an equal partner in the care delivery, who really respect them, where people, in fact, use their advice and counsel, and that often is places like home care settings, places like HMOs, places like community clinics and ambulatory clinics. You know, one of the places that likes to hire nurses the most are the, the insurance providers, because they know that nurses can give advice and counsel over the phone to patients. Often a, a very good and a very uh, important part of being an insurer is to have a whole team of nurses who call you and make sure that you're getting better, that you're doing the things that you need to do and to keep you healthy.
0: What about the conditions in the hospital? Uh, uh, so many nurses now have to deal with AIDS and Ebola. And, uh... Well,
2: nurses have always been concerned about the fact that you are exposed to infectious diseases when you work in hospitals like that. But one of the things that we teach people who are nurses is how to protect themselves and other patients the day perhaps the issue is AIDS, before it might have been tuberculosis or some other illness. So clearly nurses have to be skilled and knowledgeable and have to use very good techniques in how they provide care to people. And one of the things we do is teach them that so that they don't have to worry about being harmed themselves.
0: All right. And finally, what uh, should someone do if they're interested in a career in nursing? How should they go about it and what kinds of uh, educational requirements are they looking at?
2: Well, one of the things they can do is go to a website called nursesource.org, and it does provide a lot of information. It's about it's by a group called Nurses for a Healthier Tomorrow. It provides people information about the career. I would encourage people to think these days about getting the best education to be a nurse. Employers want people with bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, and I would encourage them to talk to their college counselors and to think about a career, provided they have the skills and the knowledge it's a It's a demanding career. It's not any different than medicine in that it requires good base of information about science and math and the social and physical sciences both. And so if you're bright, if you're interested in a career that has tremendous potential and growth capability, I would encourage you to be a nurse.
0: All right. Well, we thank you very much for the information. Very enlightening. And the book is Ask a Nurse.
2: Yes, thank
0: you, Ken. Dr. Geraldine Bednash, Executive Director of the American Association of Colleges of Nursing. She's also editor of the new book, Ask a Nurse. And we're taking a look at women in high tech fields on Sunday Digest. Up next, a shortage of female engineers as Sunday Digest continues. You're listening to Sunday Digest with Ken Robinson.
3: Of my wildest dreams sometimes I still can't quite believe she's holding me she got it all my heart my
0: soul my wishes well we heard about the shortage of nurses now we're going to hear about a shortage of female engineers here to talk with us about that is dr. Carol Kovac vice president for life sciences at IBM she's also a graduate of Oberlin College now. Doctor, uh, you help run the life sciences department at Big Blue? Um, and uh, uh, I develop new
3: uh, computing solutions for the sort of growing area of, uh, of drug discovery and genomic information management.
0: Wow, that sounds pretty high tech. It's pretty cool. I tell you. Well, there's this continuing problem of getting uh, women into high tech fields. You know, I could understand that uh, 20 years ago, but with all the opportunities, why, why do we still have this problem today?
3: Well, i you know, I think there are huge opportunities here. in fact, one of the biggest issues for companies like IBM is the lack of uh, of technically trained workforce we have in the information technology industry um, over a million unfilled jobs um, and at the same time, there are fewer than uh, there's just about ten percent of women in engineering in the U.S. I mean, and 10% of engineers are women. Um, so you, you should ask the question, how come we don't have more women there? I think we're doing some things really systematically, you know, from even the very early years in school to basically send messages to, to young girls that engineering is not a great career for them. What
0: kinds of messages are we sending to girls?
3: Well, you know, some of them are very subtle. I think, you know, people kind of say, oh, that's too hard. You don't want to work that hard. Um, and, but some of them are actually pretty pretty direct. You know, uh, um, there was a study recently by one of the engineering organizations that showed that 34% of girls in high school uh, reported that either a teacher or a counselor had advised them against taking advanced math because it was too hard for them. Now, that's pretty scary. If teachers and counselors, you know, in high school are saying, oh, don't do that, that's not for you. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of parents who say, oh, I don't want my daughter to do anything that's that hard. Um, you know, everything worth doing is hard, um, and there's so much opportunity in engineering that I think we've got to be much more encouraging. Um, girls love... To have and boys too love to have a view of how what they do with their lives is going to change the world. Um, and, how, and and given how much technology impacts everything we do, everything about our lives, you know it's, it's so clear that being a scientist and a technologist and an engineer has so much opportunity for creation and, and building new things. Um, that's the exciting message, and we don't give
0: it very often. Do you think it's still generally assumed that uh, girls and women are better off with, uh, uh, better off uh, in fields that don't involve technology? That men are the more mechanically inclined, and that's why men like cars and computers and, and those kinds of things.
3: Well, there's nothing that really substantiates that, and in fact, you know, um, I tell a story about a. a birthday party that I had for my son once Um, we had boys and girls there and you know we encouraged them to it was about sort of the way things work and we gave them a bunch of electronic equipment and some screwdrivers and said go ahead take them apart kids they had a fantastic time and one little girl there was you know sort of meticulously taking everything apart and I said you know that's the talent that's the skill you looked around that room at the age of you know 10 And all those kids showed equal ability, equal interest, equal uh, excitement and enthusiasm for this. And yet, when you get to 2025, 20, and you know, and the college age, suddenly we find there's not girls there anymore. So I think we're we're. It's not so much about ability, and all kinds of studies prove that. It's much more about the messages that we're sending about what is an appropriate or not appropriate career. If you want to talk about opportunity, um, and all for all you parents out there listening, um, uh, the jobs that are in computer science right now starting salaries for new computer science graduates coming out of school are on average between seventy and ninety thousand dollars and that's a reflection of the fact that these are these skills are in short supply so you know from a financial opportunity point of view fantastic opportunity and a lot of people don't realize that
0: now you mentioned uh, some people say that these jobs are too hard for, for girls uh, they're too technical require too much brain power But in a lot of cases, these jobs are too hard for men, too. I mean, (laughs) really. Uh, Can can the average person really take advantage of these jobs, or do you have to have a special talent, like maybe being a sports star? No,
3: I don't think so, actually. I think that, you know, certainly engineering is not going to be for everyone. But but there is a lot of – and you don't have to get a Ph.D. in something to participate in technology and engineering – I think that that doing something hard is a good thing. It's really sort of train it's a challenge, you know. Kids love challenge. And we have to we have to be careful not to tell our daughters um you know be afraid of challenge we've really changed our I mean I'll, I'll take sports as a great example we've really changed our view on girls and sports haven't we in, the, in this country in the last 10 15 years uh, you know and we and, and parents that I know today really encourage their girls to do sports um, to you know to play soccer to play all kinds of sports that's a great thing we've got to do the same thing about math and science and it's, it's all a state of mind is my view
0: like you mentioned in elementary school Girls usually excel in math and science, but something happens along the way.
3: Well, what we try to do at IBM and through National Engineers Week is to provide them with role models and great examples um, of how you can kind of go through your career and you know, in, in, and, uh, um, and succeed and have a valuable, fulfilling, challenging life um, and make some good money while you're at it. Uh, and those are all messages that I think girls need to hear more often. This is not about being a geek with bad hair. Um, this is really about being somebody who who can create and make their creations real and you know that's a pretty pretty good, powerful message for uh
0: young people um of both genders so what's your message to girls who may be in school now and maybe haven't really considered a career in engineering
3: my message One message would be you know check out um check out. The website for National Engineers Week www.eweek.org, um, and uh, uh, and uh, find out more about careers in science and engineering. Get involved through your Girl Scouts organization or other um, local organizations um, with understanding more about technology. Get on your computer and you know and uh, uh, and seek out some of those great uh, uh, girls uh, websites and uh, uh, and think about this as something for you and for me.
0: It's still kind of sad when you walk into an office these days, uh, just like maybe 20, 30 years ago, the secretaries are women. These are traditionally low-paying jobs that, that women still make the bulk of.
3: Well, you know, things are getting better, I think, and and I think that... Uh uh, in some areas, like mathematics, um, now is almost 50% women. Um, almost 50% of the women in med- uh, of the students in medical school today are women, and so I think there are um, there are positive changes. We just haven't moved as fast as we'd like in engineering and in science, and in some places like computer science, um, we've actually moved move backwards a little bit from the, from where we were a decade ago in terms of the number of women in those areas. So, yeah, I think we have a long way to go, but um, but we've come a long way as well. And in large measure, I think it's because of the involvement of organizations like the National Society of Professional Engineers, like companies like IBM and many, many others, uh, AT&T, General Electric, and many others um, who are uh, who are sending the message, um, we need you in here. Uh, we need you to uh, help us create the future, and, uh, uh, and we want you to come join us. Uh, that's a great message for boys and girls, but we especially want to make sure that girls hear that.
0: Well, very good. We want to thank you for uh, talking with us. Great. And nice to be here. Dr. Carol Kovac, Vice President for Life Sciences at IBM. She helps run the Biotechnology Department there. And she's also a graduate of Oberlin College. And I'm Ken Robinson. Glad to have you along on Sunday Digest today. Stay tuned. Female History is right around the corner. And yes, March is Female History Month, a good time to start researching the women in your family's history. With us now is Sharon Carmack of Ohio-based Family Tree magazine. She's author of A Genealogist's Guide to Discovering Your Female Ancestors. And Sharon, I understand that's not an easy thing to do sometimes.
1: Oh, yes, it can be very difficult because women uh, lose their maiden names when they get married, and especially in the past, life expectancy wasn't as long as it is now so a woman could have two or three or sometimes four different names throughout her lifetime and that makes it especially difficult to trace women as well as women of the past when they got married they lost all their legal rights and they essentially um, became the property of their husbands. so they couldn't make wills they couldn't buy land they couldn't create a paper trail without their husband's permission or unless he died.
0: So is it possible, with with all those obstacles, uh, to to trace one's female ancestors?
1: Oh, yes. It it is possible. It's not easy, necessarily. Sometimes it can be easy. Um, But that's what the book is all about, is to talk about the different techniques for tracing women. And one of those techniques is not to focus on the woman herself, but to focus on all the men in her life, her husband, her brother, if you know her father, um, cousins, Uh, neighbors, all the men that she came in contact with, you have to broaden your search to them and see what records they created that might also name her.
0: Why is it important to, to trace one's female ancestors?
1: Well, because half of all of your ancestors are women.
0: Well, that's a good reason.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: well, so often we think of the men as being the ones who uh, were the movers and shakers, in, mm-hmm. in in the past in our families, uh, we usually think of the women of, of just being, you know, uh, people that yeah, women that yeah. just stayed at home. And
1: exactly. Well, uh, if you think about, uh, you wouldn't have uh, new lines to pursue without women. After all, if you're just researching say your father's line, the surname is never going to change, you're just going to go back in a straight line, and that's fine, but that gets kind of boring. Uh, Women are the ones who who bring the new surnames to the family, they're the ones who had the children, they're the ones who shaped the family and molded the family, and a lot of times they're the ones who influence their husband, although you may not see that in the records.
0: So the women uh, are, are as interesting or maybe even more interesting sometimes than the men.
1: I think so. Uh, they're, more, they're definitely more challenging to research, but as you research them, you find more unique circumstances involved with women. For example, um, there are, I, I don't want to say a lot of women, but there are a good portion of women in the 19th century who are committed to insane asylums. Uh, for no other reason than they might have had PMS or or they might have been going through menopause. But at the time, they didn't know what it was. And so the husband would commit his wife to an insane asylum. So that opens up a whole new dimension, as well as the whole dimension of childbearing during different time periods. It certainly was different to give birth um, in the 1700s than it is in the 1900s. And, you know, in the 1700s, if you lived in a rural community, and you're ready to give birth, and your husband's out, you're doing it by yourself. (laughs) If you don't live near any neighbors or anything else, you're going to give birth by yourself. And that happened also on the plains when women and families started moving out to Kansas and Colorado, and the homesteads were so far apart. If she were pregnant and there was nobody around, she gave birth by herself.
0: The voice of Sharon Carmack of Ohio-based Family Tree Magazine, and we're talking about tracing our female ancestors, and I guess that opens up a whole new perspective on the family, doesn't it?
1: It it just opens up a whole appreciation for your female ancestors. You know, men led very public lives. We know they bought land, they sold land, they left wills, they, they were in and out of court. Um, you know, they left this paper trail, but in researching women, you find out so much more about, you know, what their private lives were like and, and what it what it was like to be a homesteading woman or or, um, a colonial New England woman. Um, And and that's the importance of putting the woman into historical perspective, learning what other women in general, what their lives were like, and you can speculate that that's probably what your female ancestor's life was also like.
0: Now, your book is A a Genealogist's Guide to Discovering Your Female Ancestors. That's correct. Let's let's suppose somebody wants to start researching their female ancestors. How do they start? How do they go about it?
1: Well, the first thing would be just like starting any family history search is to start with yourself and work backwards, gather the family stories about your mother, your grandmothers, your great-grandmothers, and then start asking um, specific specific things to women, such as um, was there a recipe collection that... um, was passed down in the family or a recipe book. A lot of times women wrote more than just their apple pie recipe in those recipe books. They wrote down recipes for different home remedies, for different cleansers. It may double as an address book, which would lead you to other relatives. Um, Also ask about needlework. Sometimes there are clues that can be found on your family history through their needlework letters and diaries especially, it's real important to ask if a grandmother or great-grandmother left any letters or diaries that have been handed down and to really think about records that women would create as opposed to records that men create.
0: How do you go back uh, digging up vital records and uh, legal documents, those kinds of things?
1: Well, that's not as difficult as you would think because most of those records are public documents. So for example, for vital records, you would write to the state vital statistics office or check a state vital statistics office online and print out the form and send for death certificates birth certificates marriage certificates the problem comes is most state vital records do not predate the early 1900s. some states do but not very many so then you go to the county courthouse and see if perhaps a a birth marriage or death were recorded at the county courthouse and, again, those may be hit and miss the further back in time you get, and then it becomes even more challenging. One of the best records for researching women and men um, and children is uh, the census records because the census gives us a glimpse of the whole family. And, and for instance, in the 1900 census, it tells us how many children were born to that woman and how many still survive. So we can we can put the pieces together. Unfortunately, there's no one magic source. It's going to be like a jigsaw puzzle. You're going to have to put the pieces together.
0: You don't have to be a Sherlock Holmes, do you?
1: No, not exactly. (laughs) Not exactly, but it's almost like that. And um, so I always recommend, in conjunction with a book like Discovering Your Female Ancestors, that Beginners get a good basic how-to book to get them started, such as the Idiot's Guide to Genealogy or Unpuzzling Your Past or Long Distance Genealogy, which will give you an overview of the, the basic research skills that you're going to need to really put those puzzle pieces together.
0: Now, the Internet has put a lot of information at our fingertips. Can it help in uh, researching uh, female ancestors?
1: It can, but I uh, warn beginners to stay off the Internet. There is so much out there, and beginners, unfortunately, just don't know enough at their level to distinguish whether they've got the right person that they're looking for. And once they get the information off the Internet, they're not sure what to do with it because most of the Internet information on the Internet are going to be databases. They're not going to be the original records. And unless you have a little bit of understanding of how genealogy works and um, the genealogical research process, beginners will get the information, and then they don't have a clue how to get to the original record or or what to do with the information. So I, I am not a pro-Internet person.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, what about uh, experienced uh, folks who who maybe uh, have made a hobby out of tracing their family tree?
1: As far as the Internet? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people use it as a tool, uh, again, because of the databases. It would be like looking at an index of a book but never going to the actual pages the information is on. That's how I liken the Internet, because the Internet is basically one giant index or database. There are slowly becoming actual records upload it online, but we're just, we're just only seeing the very beginning of that. But as a research tool, yes, it, it is a helpful tool if you know what you're doing, if you know what you're looking at, and if you know how to get to the original record.
0: And I would imagine in addition to your book, uh, Family Tree Magazine would be a good place to start Absolutely. as well.
1: Absolutely. Family Tree Magazine and FamilyTreeMagazine.com are excellent starting places. The magazine is geared for beginners. It's geared for the hobbyist
0: you think uh, Female History Month should be incorporated in, in our school curriculum?
1: Oh, absolutely, without question. In fact, there's a national um, women's history project that uh, focuses on getting women's history into the school curriculum.
0: Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, well, very good. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate the information. Well, you're quite welcome. Sharon Carmack of Ohio-based Family Tree magazine, author of A Genealogist's Guide to Discovering Your Female Ancestors. And that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. This has been Sunday Digest with WGAR's Ken Robinson, a public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. The views and opinions expressed on the show were those of the participants and not necessarily those of WGAR, its staff, and management. Join us next week for another edition of Sunday Digest. Welcome to Ken's Corner. I'm Ken Robinson. A new survey finds Americans are concerned about their ability to save money. The poll from the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards shows nearly 8 in 10 people are worried about having enough to get by financially in the future. Board member Eleanor Blaney says there are many factors involved.
2: As you can imagine, due to debt and other financial pressures, being children, being imminent retirement, being job change, being medical expenditure, these are all things we're aware of.
0: Experts found that debt is what keeps many from saving money on a regular basis. Blaney adds that young people are the largest demographic who worry about saving enough money
2: and they've got kids in the house so they have a lot of children family obligations and they're spending more on those present those immediate concerns and feel that they're not saving enough you have current expenses that may be you know too high to enable you to save as much and then, of course, you have, you know, future expenses that that really is what we need to save for.
0: The Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards is a nonprofit organization that administers a certification program to nearly 74,000 financial professionals. Thanks for stopping by Ken's Corner, part of the K-Rob Collection. Learn more about our shows by checking out krobcollection.com or the K-Rob Collection Facebook page.